0: Welcome to Good Looking Out episode 19, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read and listen to because life is too short for bad shit. I'm Eric. I'm
1: Jason. All right. Well, what's new Santos? Um what is new? I haven't seen you. You in got long. a haircut. You got a haircut. All right. No. No, I've gotten since I've seen you I've had 3 haircuts. What? <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> I did not want I was not going to talk about this. 3. One was terrible. I'm not going to talk about it. The second one, I was like, let's still try and like maybe keep it kind of long. And then the last one, I was just in San Francisco and I was like, and I had a place where I always went, and I was like, I'm done. That's it. Like I'm done dealing with this hair. I went in there to get it cut off. I'm like, cut it all off, cut it short. And she wouldn't cut it short. She's like, "No, you've grown, you've been growing it from out and this whole freaking thing so now it, here's the thing three haircuts later i'm still unhappy i wanted short hair right but now here i am how do i look
0: it looks i think it looks good you know you got rid of like the thing that was bugging you was, was which was like the flipping up in the back like right there that hockey hair is gone yeah. yeah yeah i just feel
1: like another
0: face in the crowd man I don't know. I mean I think at a certain point as a man you like find the haircut that works for you and you just really kinda of stick with it. I I rebel against with, it. I don't like with, that. With no.
1: yeah, that's not
0: you. Oh man. born to be free.
1: <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. Just stick with the same one forever. That's just where we what we're gonna do.
0: I don't I mean at a certain point like you just find what works.
1: Yeah, I mean I know what works, but I'm gonna push the boundaries here see what I can do. Yeah. I mean you can do variations on what works. Color maybe color work with work with some <laughs> I
0: don't know man. I think the I think what you've got going there the like, you know grey. The dark shit. with the streaks of gray. I might do. You're you're like a
1: Portuguese George Clooney. I think you're right. It's a good <laughs> that is kind of a good analogy for it. I keep it there, yeah. Yeah. Other that than that, man, nothing. Um falls here. It's perfect. Perfect. Perfect, right? It's been gorgeous. Dude, yeah. how killer is this?
0: Yeah. Especially the, the, you know, it's warm during the day. Like, it peaks up in 60s and 70s, and then it gets cool at night.
1: Oh. Gorgeous. Fuck, yeah. Anybody that doesn't know, like, if you're not here in the Midwest, you cherish these days, man, because they are just, they're awesome. Yeah. And they're short-lived, right? Yep. Absolutely, yeah. So that's good. Psych for that. What about you? What do you got going?
0: So speaking of the Midwest, I have to say I'm I'm definitely late late to the game on this. Um, partially because I don't I just don't watch a lot of um, I don't watch TV in real time. No, yeah, I know you don't. And um, this show wasn't that readily available, but I just uh, recently finished the first season of Fargo. Have you seen Far? Oh, my God. It's killing, yeah, right? So good. Oh, yeah. Really good. It's amazing the amount of the acting talent that they right? were able to bring to the table on that. The casting's amazing. Oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. You got Dude from uh, British Office. Who, yeah. Uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, who was... was also from one of my favorite shows. He plays uh, Watson
1: on Sherlock. That, yes. Which is... Yeah, yeah he's so great so as Watson. So good in that. Yeah. He's great as Watson, um, and he's uh, he's in all the Hobbit movies. Yes, he is. He's in all those. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's he's really doing it. But yeah, the Fargo. Um, so, what channel is that on? Uh, FX. FX
0: has been kind of killing it. Dude, recently. Kill it. yeah, really yeah. great. The uh, it's it's been interesting to see all of these networks sort of raising their game and like it's awesome. Some you know, unlike the traditional business world, they've all sort of risen to the challenge and you know keep upping the game and doing <laughs> exactly much much more interesting things. Whereas usually in the traditional business world, no one the the uh, incumbents can ever keep up with the innovators. But in this case, like you know, everyone's bringing it for sure. Yeah, and when you got people, people out who the aren't front. even supposed to fucking produce content that are like tech companies, you know, are like producing shows I? and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly,
1: I know it's so great. Now, did they just? um because somebody, sh- Mark A. shot me a text. He's like, you got to watch the second season of Fargo. And I'm like, yep. well, yeah, but... It- to- totally is- re- rebooted. No, it's actually earlier in time. But is it the whole... It's not the whole season. They're doing it. It's, it's FX, so they're doing weekly. Um, I
0: they- think the whole season is set back in the like, early 80s or late 70s, early 80s. So it precludes murder yes yeah I thought that was a brilliant tie in with the bag and you know it's like they didn't make the whole thing about tying into the movie but there was like
1: oh I know it's subtle tie ins yeah it's it's really well done um Yeah, because that's the danger, right? With doing a series on a movie, it's like, how much do you tie back to it? How much do you not? Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Um, Well, first, the Coen brothers are listed as EPs on that. Right. Um, And I've heard differing stories on their role day-to-day. What's
0: your right. understanding? My understanding was that they did not have that much to do with it, that they signed off on the original concept, and that they maybe looked at some, like, early scripts. Um, and Th- Yeah, that's my understanding as well. But it'd be interesting to see, maybe they decided to come back. Did you see... I think they just announced that they're speaking to the Cohen brothers, not to jump all over, but that they announced they're doing a Big Lebowski too. Get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. And it's one of those things where it's like... Mm, like what are the chances? It's sequels are tough, you know. Oh, like, they're brutal. How? But that first movie is so good. Oh, the other thing that's big news is evidently Bill Murray is in the second one.
1: Holy shit!
0: Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Big Lebowski too. Bill Murray. You heard it here first. Oh I'm my good god. Good looking out.
1: All right. One last. Let me while we're while we're talking about it. So actually. Fucking all over the place here. Back really quickly to Fargo. There's a documentary... um, Sorry, it's not a documentary. It's a... um, I guess it's not a fucking mockumentary, but it kind of is. It's this Japanese movie about... The the woman who thinks that that money is real? Yes. Do you know this? Have we talked about this?
0: uh, There was a movie made about that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They turned it into a movie.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm dying to see it. It, It's good. Yeah, Yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I think I watched it on Netflix. Yeah, I think it was on Netflix. Um, Yeah. But really fascinating. Yeah, the story about that, I think... I originally heard the story about it on one of the public radio shows. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the story of this woman who just, like, showed up in this town and then... But I thought, didn't they figure out that, like, she... Have you... have You, you haven't seen the documentary? I don't want to spoil anything for you. So. I haven't, no. Okay. I, no. I'm not going to say anything then. I think they figure out that, like, they originally... Think that that's why she was there, but it turns out that there was like an ulterior motive.
1: Oh yeah, actually, I think that's I, that's even evident in the trailer, right? Yeah. All right. Well, cool. That's. I just wanted to but mention still, that.
0: It's it's cool.
1: Yeah, it's a great concept, right? Yeah. So the second thing, really quick, great anecdote. Um, and as we talk about the Big Lebowski, everybody loves the movie, right? Um, so I just was meeting with this. Um, the small production company in Austin, great filmmakers. They did a series on small business people across the country. Here they concentrated on. I'm embarrassed, I don't know. Is this the thing name. for Deluxe? The oh, Small Business Revolution? Yes. Thing? Yeah. Have you seen any of this? Uh, no, but someone
0: that we used to work with at Fallon is like the. CMO at Deluxe, and she is the one who appears in all that stuff, the one with the really short blonde hair. That's exactly. Amanda.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Because he was talking about her a lot, referring to her, and yep. so you're familiar with the yeah. Um, The one that takes place in Minnesota, he speaks with the woman who runs a group of restaurants here. Oh. Bryant Lake Bowl, Pat's Tap. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I don't know her name. Um
0: yeah Christian talks about her all, all the time. Yeah, everybody knows her. Tiny Diner. Which by the way, if you haven't been to Tiny Diner, Tiny Diner's awesome. Yeah, Tiny I haven't been and I know I'm supposed to go. You got to take Jack there. God, for, yeah, the pancakes are supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I I should say now, maybe if there's still another warm day, take him like, you know, for brunch or something like that cuz the outside is the part that's really cool. They have this killer patio. They must have like a full-time gardener or something. There's all it's like this, like, verdant palace of, like, Seriously? outdoor living. Yeah, the outdoor. And they grow a lot of, the, like, the uh, vegetables and herbs and stuff that they use in the Jesus. diet of But Kim Bartman. Kim
1: Bartman, that's it. Yeah, good call. Nice one. Um, so she owns the Bryant Lake Bowl. Yep. And during production of the Big Lebowski, the Cohen brothers are obviously in town. And she meets him in at at Brian Lake Bowl, which for anyone, most people that don't know what that is, it's a a bar here in town that has a working bowling alley that was like from like the, a vintage bowling alley. Vintage, yeah. yeah, it's like from the 40s or 50s. Yeah. So they're in town. Um, they're hanging out at her bar, the Cohen Brothers. She, and she's like, yeah, I just, I got this place going, and and they're like, this bowling alley's fucking killer. And she's like, yeah, I know, I gotta get, like, all, everything working, I'm just, like, refurbishing it now, you wanna check it out? And they go out and back, and they're checking out, like, all the mechanics of the, like, how the pins are set, and how the balls return and the, all the old, that old, you know, right. all yeah, the old yeah. fucking, you know, mechanics of the thing. And they were like, holy shit, and then fucking year and a half, two years later, you've got all those amazing shots in the Big Lebowski about, that like incorporating the bowling alley right. stuff, and she, huh. she got she got a call, and it was tied back like it was inspired by Brian Lake Bowl. Wow, that's awesome! Kind of a cool Minneapolis. Yeah, that's really cool thing,
0: right? Huh? That's awesome to yeah. know that like Brian Lake Bull inspired those scenes in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, really cool, right? That's awesome.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Jesus, that was yeah. a fucking like a shotgun blast of a bunch of shit yeah, <laughs> from my hair sure. to The Big Lebowski. So we haven't even talked about the theme for this episode. Yeah, man. What, so it's, a,
0: it's a little bit of an unusual theme. It is. It is. So being, being modern men who aren't afraid to express emotion, mm-hmm. this week we decided to discuss um, things in books, movies, music that, uh, that make us cry every single time. Every single time you watch it or yep. listen or read it. Uh, yep. makes you cry.
1: That's the, for me, that was, that's as always, as I always say, I, the extra filter goes on for what we're going to talk about in the podcast. And because I I'll cry in fucking every, like so much shit. I'll cry in fucking anything depending on the day. Yeah. But that's the, that's the key is every time. Right every time, every time you cry.
0: I have to say this has changed a little bit for me since I became a father. Because oh, for those, for course, those yeah. that people that don't know, I'm the father of two daughters, and now anything that has a dad and a daughter in it just fucks me
1: up. Oh, for sure, <laughs> dude. You're yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that shit is like there's yeah. It just lights you up for sure. There's nothing you
0: can do. So, when he, yeah. You know, and Hollywood has gotten so expert at like the music cues as well. It's like the music that cues and manipulates the emotion. Right. But,
1: well, why don't you go first? All right. What do you got? Um, I got three. Um, I got a movie. I got a record and I got a poem. Wow. Um, look at you, look at me, Renaissance man. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start with the movie and I'm hoping that you've seen it because if you haven't, we're not going to have a lot to talk about because I've seen the movie one time and it affected me so much that I refuse, I have not watched it again. Like I own it like, the best version you can get of it, and it's sitting on a shelf waiting for the day when I watch it again because I was so moved. I was in fucking tears the entire time. That's Paris, Texas. Uh,
0: Paris, Texas is, not only have I seen it, it's one of my favorite movies. I would definitely put it in, like, top five.
1: You really?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. By the way, did you see that um, Vim Vendors is now, like, 80? About to turn 80. Oh, they yeah. they're, they're releasing new remastered Criterion of all of his films, and they're coming to the movie theaters, including... Paris, Texas is one of the featured ones, but they're also doing, evidently, a five-hour uh, director's cut of Until
1: the End of the World. Get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so good. That is so killer. The Criterion just fucking kills me, of course, because I bought, like, as soon as I... You know, I bought Paris after I saw it. I went and bought it immediately. I'm like, I have to own this. Yep. It's one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen. Um, and now, and then, what they this is what they do is, and they remaster and they re-release. There's new artwork. Then yeah, and then I go and I buy it again. Um, but Jesus Christ! So the, I'm glad I've waited because now I'm going to I'm going to go see it on the fucking big screen. Yeah, for sure. Fuck yes. Oh no shit. Um, so here's what I remember, man. Like I remember, like I've kept it on purpose in this very like smoky, hazy part of my brain where, and actually, you know what, I'm not going to have you fill me in on it too much because all I know it's, it, for me, it's the relationship between, um, between the man and his, and his daughter yep. and, um, speaking of which, right. Um, yeah. so it's, um.
0: It's fucking dude, uh, Harry Dean. Stanton. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton. And but he, as a younger man, I mean, this yeah. was in like the early eighties, yeah. right? I mean, this was yeah, eighty-one, yeah. I think. Yep. Somewhere in there, just yeah, thirty I mean, years ago. Yeah,
0: Natasha Kinsky looks like a baby. It, it's,
1: Natasha Kinsky is like, yeah, it, she looks like a baby. God, I forgot oh. it was even her. But yeah, it's. I just remember, like him, um, chasing and. The, you know, this feeling of guilt and him like trying to chase down and make up for things, which is this is just one of the saddest things in the world. Is like trying to do make realizing you made a huge mistake and that feeling of regret and trying to make up for it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean, I haven't seen the first time I saw it. And the only time I've, I've seen it was um, 20 years ago. Hmm. So I haven't seen this thing in ages Oh, I can't wait till it comes out on the screen. And um, how cool to hear it's that's way up for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. No doubt. Good. Good.
0: Good. That makes me feel so you, better. You probably don't re- remember. So, what part of it? What part of it is it that gets you?
1: I don't know, man. I've kept it, like, I've literally kept it, like, I watched it. You just have an impression Yes, exactly, a very vague one, Um, and I was so moved. I mean, it was waterworks, though, like, for, like, a good 45 minutes of the movie. Like, I couldn't stop, and as with anything, um, it's when you watch it, what's going on in your life, like, all of that shit matters, you know what I mean, because you know that's how your experience unfolds when you're watching the movie but um i don't know it's it's just like i said i've purposely kept it super vague because i wanted it, it was so powerful you know i didn't want to unlike other movies where i'm like okay f- rewind and watch it over like beautiful with Javier Bardem like that movie just right. rewind watch it re- just watch it over and over and over again because it's perfect
0: right you know so uh, hopefully this doesn't ruin anything for your rewatch, no, no, go re-watch for it. of it. But there's this brilliant thing in the sort of climax where he finally tracks down and they sort of discovers like where Natasha Kinsky's living and he goes to her work and she's working in this sort of like peep show kind of setup. Right, I remember that and for sure. He sticks the quarters in the window goes up yep. and the lights the way the lights are like she can't see. Oh, God, the person who's right. on the other side. So they start having this conversation, and for the first like three quarters of the conversation, she doesn't realize it's him. I complete, But there's this yeah. slow reveal where you see
1: it dawning on her who is on the other side of the glass. Oh fuck me! That's right. I forgot about I, that. Is totally coming back right now. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't the shot um, like it's it's a mirror, sh- like a classic mirror shot where we see her yes. and we see his reflection. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's brilliantly
0: shot and executed. Um, One more thing. We'll move on quickly because we don't want to drag this out too much. But I actually have a book of photography from when he was scouting locations. He shot on all these, like, large format old cameras, all these small towns in that part of Texas. And it's unbelievably gorgeous. Oh, my God.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, what a killer book! Yeah, I gotta get. I'll, I gotta check that. I'll loan out. it to
0: you. I have no idea if it's still in print anymore, but I will loan you the copy that I have. Oh,
1: I just. I don't want to take it. Taking, I just want to see it. I'll find yeah. it and buy it. Like that. I'll. That's something I have to have because he's. I mean, I'm such an enormous fan of his, and I never even knew that existed. I gotta have that. Right. I'll yeah. find it. It's definitely worth it. Oh my god, how cool.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure these days, if you just Google Vin Vendor's photography book Paris, Texas I'm sure it'll pop up. If Tr- trust what, me, if there's could,
1: anything I'm good at, it's tracking down yeah. fucking hard to find fucking weird shit. I'll find that
0: Besides book. the movie that they showed in
1: fourth grade. Which guy's <laughs> like that I, I, the first I, Google search? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and by the way, you know what, I, I always meant to to bring this back up again. This is a, That was another one that lives in a similar place as this one in that I think there's a part of me, obviously there's a part of me that didn't want to find it. I wanted to keep it. As a vague recollection. Yeah, because yeah. it had such a big impact. As soon as you watch it, you know, it, as an adult or something, it's going to get colored in a completely different way. You'll be like, oh, this actually isn't that great. You know what I mean? Like, you'd never want that to happen. So, in my defense, I'd like to think that I didn't want to find it. And, right. I'll tell you what. Even since you've given it to me, I have started to watch it, like, three or four times, and I'll only watch, like, a couple of minutes, and then I stop it. Right. Like, I can't bring myself to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Because it brings back a lot, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I want to see the whole thing. But it holds up. Like, I've seen, like, the first... (laughs) 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 How much can it really hold up? (laughs) It does, man. I'm telling you. I don't know. But from what I, like... I don't know. From what I remember from fourth grade, <laughs> it fucking holds up. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't like disappointed me. It hasn't. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm just like, this thing's a piece of shit. I was just a dumb kid. Right. Like I haven't made that realization yeah. yet. Yeah, and hopefully I won't. Awesome. <laughs> Tell so,
0: me what you got. What's yours? So all of my stuff is sort of themed around the theme around. uh, It's. For me, it's like anytime there's this moment of like self-sacrifice or someone kind of stepping up and doing the honorable thing in face of like all odds, you know, it's like in in the face of certain death, I'm still going to step up here and do like the honorable thing. There's like the self-sacrifice, you know, it's like we see these moments in a lot of movies, but a lot of times they're done better than than others. Um, that always gets me. Yeah, that's a trigger for you, huh? Even if it's, like, you know, it's, like, in White Fang, the dog that, you know, (laughs) steps steps in between the guy and the bear or whatever. You know, it's, like, all that stuff. Just, like, it's definitely a trigger point for me. (laughs) And I think the reason why that is is because, like, if you had me, like, get to the definition of, like, what is someone who's, like, a true... Friend, in like the deepest sense of it, it's like someone who's willing to like lay it all on the line for you, yes, and step in yeah you know in in one of those moments, yeah, and I can definitely point to um times like through my life where I've either done that for other people or other people have done that for me and you know, those are some some those people. When I think of them, are the people that I've been friends with for twenty or thirty years. That's right. You know. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So the first one, which I think is just a a brilliant movie as well, um, is Slingblade. Oh my god! Because here you have this character who <laughs> everyone thinks of as like this both in, um, intellectually and emotionally diminished character. But it, here he is. He comes into the situation, this, like, situation of domestic violence and the situation that's very dysfunctional and fucked up. And in the end of the movie, it turns out that he is the one who has the emotional maturity. It, his is compass willing, is headed in is the right direction. to, to yes. self-sacrifice in, um, and go back to this miserable situation that we know is, like, worse than prison. It's like a hell worse oh, yeah. than prison. Yeah. Um, and he's willing to do that for this kid. For this boy that he, you know, he be loves. friends, and yeah. he's the one who has to step in because... There isn't a father there. There isn't. By the way, Dwight Yoakam is fucking brilliant. Oh, as the like super dysfunctional like boyfriend. Oh my god, stepfather. he's so good. Oh
1: my god. And yeah. my friend, uh, my friend Ian Moore is in that movie. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's in. He's in Dwight Yoakam's band. No way. He's the guy like the really deep. The long hair. No, no. Oh. He's the long haired dude, the guitar player who like okay. gets in the altercation with him and gets thrown out. It was a big. Mo- I was like, <laughs> dude, you're fucking in yeah. Sling Blade. He's like, I know, I'm in fucking Sling Blade. It was great. God, it's that great. movie is
0: amazing. Speaking of Billy Bob Thornton again, um, who is you know oh. the star of the first season of Fargo, for those who haven't seen it. But yeah, yeah. Um, also, Vic Chestnut is in that movie, which is brilliant. Yes, brilliant cameo yeah. in in the wheelchair. Um, oh my god, lying. so good. So, anyways, that like, especially there's like, you know, coming working up to the climax of the movie. There's these scenes where. He's very deliberately, like, going around and preparing. Like, he goes to the John Ritter character's house and is like, I need you to take care of them. And he even knows, like, you see this moment, like, as um, the, I forget the name of the. John Ritter's character? Um, the, the name of um, the the main protagonist. Like, oh, yeah. What, what I, his name is. As he's walking away, you I see name, too. the the recognition that John Ritter recognizes what he's about to do. And he doesn't stop. Momentarily, him. he almost,
1: like, he opens his mouth and he's about to. It's a great moment. Yeah. It's an amazing moment. It's because very he's like, subtly well, and delicately handled. Oh my God, it's so well handled. Yeah. That thing is perfect, that movie. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, also, the other part that's really brilliant, this part
0: doesn't, like, get me the same way he does when he's, like, goes out. And is like sitting at the pond with the boy at night mm-hmm. and is like, I don't, I want you to not come home until morning. And you kind of see like, even the kid sort of starts to recognize, like, yeah. maybe not exactly, but that something up. he's going to do something. Um,
1: That's a major scene. Yeah. Cause he's, and it's that, it's actually that moment that you're talking about with the wolf stepping in. Like, cause he, and it's the kid, the kid puts it together. He does know, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he knows right. that. He's about to do something really great for him. The other scene that's, that's, I was just going to say is really brilliant
0: and really well done is when he goes back and he steps up, he finally stands up to his own father. Oh my God. That is brutal. Who buried his like
1: little brother in a box, in, oh, you know, in the backyard and, me. um, yeah, it's just like, Oh, cause he never makes eye contact. Never like there's no, and, and it's Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you just see, like, okay,
0: here's the the, the fact that he turned out um, as well as he did, given this, like, incredibly fucked up situation that he had to rise yeah. above. Right. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, so that was my first one. Oh,
1: my God, like, man. That thing is... It's like one raw nerve the entire movie. The entire movie time It is. is so... And it just gives you... It makes you... That's one of those movies that makes you... Just have hope for film in general. Like, cause to get, you know, I don't make movies, but I have a pretty good idea about how hard it is to keep story intact all the way from where you're concepting it and dreaming about it and get it actually on the screen. That's fucking nearly impossible. And that thing does it, man. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. All right. My second one is, um, is I'm going to do the poem. We'll save the rock for the last one because fucking poems are boring. Rock is not. and we'll a strong note. Man, this poem is fucking far from boring. So this one, this poem, um, again, passes the criteria of um, cannot read it without, um, without the, the tears starting. Do you want me to go get a box of tissues? Fuck you. <laughs> um... And I don't even know where to start. You're super familiar. Everybody knows it. It's the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, not a, not a, uh, it, you know, it's a very well-known poem by T.S. Eliot. Um, but there is something about it that um, has this picture in my head and in ties in with so many people in my life when I first discovered it when I first read it and has had an impression on me since then, you know, for, you know, it's been a long time now. Um, and I was going to read a passage. I mean, why not? Right. What else are we going to talk about? If we don't, if I don't, I mean, there's so many great like lines in it. Um, that I, I think about all the time. I don't read it that often. Um, when's the last time you read it?
0: Oh god, it's probably undergrad. It's been a really, really Probably tough, undergrad, yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Um but yeah, there's a lot of um passages in here that that sh- that I th- return like I I think about all the time. I'm I, I'm not seeing it right now. I don't know the whole thing by heart, but let me just read the opening passage cuz it's so like it's a like if I see it somewhere, you know, Or if I hear it or whatever, like it just, it catches me right from the beginning. He starts, Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells, streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question, oh, do not ask what is it. Let us go and make our visit in the room. The women come and go, talking of Michelangelo,
0: which is yeah, a refrain. That, that's, yeah, that's the, the most famous part, and people use the like a patient etherized on a table as like one of the examples when they're teaching metaphor uh, in you know in one hundred and one English classes and writing classes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like that and Chandler are the two, you know, yeah. masters of metaphor.
1: Yeah. So. And there's another very famous metaphor in here that um, always... St- oh, here here it is right here. Um, let me just... A couple lines really quickly here. Um, Do I dare disturb the universe? In a minute, there is time for decisions and revisions, which a minute will reverse. For I have known them all already. Known them all. Have known the evenings, mornings, afternoons. I have measured out my life with coffee spoons.
0: Hmm. Really nice.
1: Yeah. And that idea of, like, it's, again, it's kind of... I, I, there's, a, I guess, a little bit of a thread with my shit here, too, is regret. Like, he's looking back and saying, I've measured out my life with coffee spoons. Where it's like, he's it, to me, my... I, it's like, um, you know, maybe regretting a life lived a bit too carefully. Right. You know. I, I think it was Elliot
0: who used to, whenever I think of Elliot, I think of, like, that, you know, that circle of writers of Elliot, Hemingway, and James Joyce. And I think Elliot used to, like, ship shoes to James Joyce, like, when he, he was living and writing in Paris and with Hemingway. And Hemingway, I think, would, like, go visit Joyce in Ireland and... T.S. Eliot would like buy Joyce pairs of shoes because T.S. Eliot came from a very wealthy background, and James Joyce came from a very impoverished sort of working class background. That's exactly right. So he would send him pairs of shoes. For really? Hemingway. Yeah. Fucking a. Jesus Christ. Huh. Yeah. Wow. What a connection.
1: What do you got? What's your next
0: one? That's man? great. All right. I, I'll try to explain the context of this book as as quickly as possible without going into it. So my um, this was. I I believe I cited as one of my writers who was a sure thing writer where every one of his books Mm. that he's come out with is amazing. There's a fantasy writer named Brandon Sanderson. And he's got this scene in um, the second... He has this epic fantasy series called um, The Stormlight Archive. And the second second book is called um, Words of Radiance. And there's this scene in this book. So the main protagonist that goes through this book is this guy named Kaladin. And we're sort of living... It's not quite like... Um, it's sort of like a post-cataclysmic society, and uh, the society is stratified into what the upper class, which are called light eyes, and they have light-colored eyes, and then dark eyes, who have generally like darker features and darker eyes. Um, and uh, Kaladin has these abilities: this ability to um, take in storm light and use it like. He has these powers that haven't been seen since before this, what they call the Recreants was this cataclysm that there used to be these guys um, that had these powers that were sort of these protectors or like knights in the society, but they have disappeared. And these powers are kind of starting to reemerge and this guy has them. Well, through the course of the first two books, he's like made a slave and all these sort of things happen and he sort of goes through all these trials. Um, And at the beginning of the second book, he's worked his way back up to be uh, sort of a guard in this uh, family. Uh, There's this family called the Colins and they're trying to like reunite the society and they're trying to take these sort of old ways of being and these old ways of honor and sort of impress them upon like an aristocracy that has gotten like all they care about is greed and. Um, infighting and they can't organize against this sort of like and it's not entirely dissimilar from Game of Thrones where there's like so much infighting that they're not recognizing this greater threat on the horizon. Right. So um, as uh, this the sort of uh, head of this family, Dalinar, Colin, is like trying to um, get these families together. There's this um, also left over from this uh, bygone time. There's this this sort of like sets of armor called shard plate and it's sort of almost like power like a power armor like a mechanized sort of thing would be the sci-fi equivalent it's like gives you like incredible strength and you can just slaughter people on the battlefield and it's almost impossible for someone not in shard plate to like defeat someone who's a shard bear yeah so he decides one of the ways he's going to rally all of um, these these other royal like kind of aristocracy together is he's going to have his son duel them all and take all of their shard plate because in a duel you can like duel for shards and the winner walks away with the other one's shard plate and his son is this like amazing duelist so what happens is um, through he's he's uh, this guy is more of like a, a military figure and sort of like a sort of the brute force he's the in the Game of Thrones world he's the um, uh, what's his ass who's the guy from the north who gets his head cut off he's like he d- he's not the ned stark yeah. the ned stark He's the ned stark he doesn't have the political savvy but he's the pure of honor and he's got the like um so what happens is he and his son are manipulated in the situation where he ends up the son ends up fighting against is trick through this like um sort of loophole in the in the dueling etiquette where he has to fight against four shard bears on the other side. Um, and it quickly becomes evident. Not only is he going to lose, but that there, um, there is a plot to kill his son. And so they're all, everyone, all, this, all of the aristocracy is they're watching this. And he like calls out to several of these people who are shard bears and could like hop in and no one is willing to like step in and help. Oh. And there's this moment where this guy, Kaladin, who's basically like has a spear and just, like, not even arm or anything, decides, like, he's going to jump into the ring and try to save this save this kid's life or die trying. And it's just the way it's written and the way it's set up just, like, totally fucks me up every single really? time. I'm just, like, bawling, you know, so great. as I'm reading. I, I For this series, I tend to listen to the audiobooks, which are extremely well narrated by this guy, Michael Kramer, who did all of the Wheel of Time narration as well along ah. with his wife. So, uh, he and his, he and his wife do all of the Brandon Sanderson audiobooks as well, and it's incredibly well narrated. So I can't recommend highly enough the audiobooks for Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive. They're really long; it's like fifty-hour audiobooks. Okay. So, but it's worth. This is I've listened to them both two or three times. They're so good. Wow! Really? Yep. Um. When do you listen to them? Uh, in the car, sometimes on trips, sometimes at night, like when I'm falling asleep, if I'm not reading, some, if I'm uh-huh. really into it. Or another great time to listen to is what, just when you're doing stuff around the house. It turns any mundane thing like doing the dishes into something you actually look forward to because you want to uh, see yeah. what happens in the story. So
1: right, yeah. Lately. Oh, so you just kind of look forward to those moments. Absolutely, where you can plug the headphones in. And yeah
0: you're breaking down cardboard boxes and you stick on the headphones totally and yeah so yeah i just try to listen to it whenever i can
1: i love that you um it, true to fashion as uh a uh, a confirmed like sci-fi and fantasy fan like that this shows up on your list yeah. i love it <laughs> you know honestly like that's yeah. like you know i love that all right. All right man my last one is a record um and again not uh by no means um it's a well-known record and by many considered to be like the the penultimate like breakup record of the 90s um but it for me um I, any any song on it every Note on this record is a heartbreak for me. Um, it's where you been, Dinosaur Junior, hmm. um, and every every single song, like just absolutely kills me. There was like, I remember like when I first got into this record. I it's the only thing I listened to for like a year. Like it was it. It was all I listened to. Hmm. And I remember my parents coming. home I was staying with them for a short while. And it wasn't a great period of my life, and I like they were out of town for the weekend, and I had pulled the car onto their they onto their lawn. And, <laughs> what? Yeah. So I pulled my car. I had this Volkswagen Jetta, and I pulled it onto the lawn. They were gone, and it was with a mission. Like I was really missing my. I'd broken my girlfriend had broken up with me, and um, I was really sad, and. I went out with a bottle of brandy and this record, and well, CD. I was in my car. um, And pulled out in the lawn and laid up on top of the car and blasted this. They live in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, And opened the doors and just cranked it. Um, I drank the entire bottle of brandy and I just had this thing on repeat and like literally woke up the next day with my dad shaking me and I was like <laughs> passed out on the hood of the car. The, the battery's dead. Like it had just been on repeat all night. I'd been like walking around, uh, walking around the yard, crying, smoking cigarettes, drinking out of the bottle. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, man, it was a rough. What
0: I, did I your dad say? To you? Was he just like, what? He's like, it like, didn't take
1: that much to.
0: Didn't take a forensic genius to figure out what happened. <laughs>
1: no, Ben, he knew the scene. He's like, come on, man. Let's go. Get inside. And I'll charge your battery for you. Let me hook right. it up to the trickle charge. Right. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it was pretty evident. Like, <laughs> breaking down that crime scene. Let me play something off of here, though, just for a second. Like, you literally can drop the needle anywhere on this record and, um, and it's, it, and it just kills, um, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna play it, like, just from the very, for, oh, son of a bitch, I got this shit-ass, sorry, everybody, um, here, I, I got goosebumps right now just listening to this thing on my shitty phone. It is so good, man. Fucking J. is it's his masterpiece. Yeah. And I love everything that guy's ever done. But nothing touches this record for me. Love it. And every time I cry, I cry every time I listen to this record. That's awesome. Yeah. Shit, well, Christ, I... I I, mean, I hope I don't have a repeat performance of that night tonight, now that I'm thinking about it.
0: <laughs> so so why? I don't think Beth would be as forgiving as your father.
1: I don't think she would. I don't think she would, no. And it might be tough to get my car into my lawn, since it's about right. the same size. It yeah. would just fit. <laughs> so.
0: I'm, I'm sure the neighbors would appreciate the Yeah, effort, they'd though. love it. Yeah. They'd love it, yeah. All right, so real quick, my last pick... Um, this might sound strange to some people, but there's something about this, um, in addition to, like, the honor and sacrifice thing. I think it's, like, well, no, I think this has it as well. Um, It's actually The Incredibles. Oh, my God!
1: Great one!
0: Um, And it's what gets me about it is, like, when... You know, here the the father has gone to this island and he's been trapped and the mother and the kids come after them. But it's the moment in which the kids sort of fully come into and realize their powers and are, like, saving the family and saving each other and doing all this stuff. It's like there's something about it that, like, that, like, um, not only the, like, sacrifice and saving each other, but the, like, the, the, the reaching of this dormant potential that, like, yes.
1: gets me. Oh, every yeah. Every time. Um, oh, so. yeah. There's, well, it's, it, I remember, it's, for me, the scene is when, like, they're in the jungle, and things are descending upon them, and I think the, like, they're about to hit the little kid, and the little girl, like, like, she creates. Blass up a, the force shield. Right, and they make the ball for them. the first time, yeah. and then he, like, runs inside the ball. Yeah. For me, that's, I yeah. mean, there's probably a few moments in the movie where that, your sentiment kind of yeah. shows itself. But that's the first one I think of. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. That, that that movie is... That's a genius movie. Oh, it's perfect. So and he um, swore he'd never make another unless it could be as good or better than the original. And it's due out next year. Like, mm. hes he's doing it. Um, what's his, Mark, or, I forget dude's name. Um, I'm not gonna look it up, but, um, he directed Ratatouille as well. Oh, really? It's not? Genius.
0: Huh. For some reason, I was thinking that that was Brad Bird. Oh, fuck. (sighs) And, you know, and he did The Iron Giant, which, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen The Iron Giant, which was, um, uh, much, it was... Before Brad Bird went and started working with Pixar, and it didn't get a lot of distribution, but Iron Giant is a fucking amazing movie. It is, it is Brad Bird,
1: you're right. So, what the I f- I can't believe my fucking, my data is incorrect. Um, well... Whatever. I'm not gonna start. I'm not gonna take all all our fucking listeners down a super sweet fucking Google rabbit hole. (laughs) But um, but you're right. It is Brad Bird. Is my story not right? I mean, didn't he like? That's his deal. Like he did this and he did. I just swear to God, he did fucking Ratatouille. Um. Anyhow, who gives a shit? That that movie is amazing. In Incredibles two. Is coming out next year. So, huh. well,
0: yeah, I definitely look forward to that. Yeah, we'll have Incredibles two, Big Lebowski two. Hopefully, Holy one shit. of them at least yeah. lives up Hopefully. to the potential.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good pick, man. That's a good one. That's I. I'm not the guy that I, like I don't. I totally enjoy Pixar movies, and now that Jack's getting he's two now, so you know. Oh, have, have you seen Inside Out yet? I think he just yeah that just came up the other day. Inside Out is gonna fuck you up. I, I didn't watch it. He watched it on the plane. Is there, are there like three or four kids or something in it? It's what it is, is. It's one.
0: It's the story of one girl whose family picks her up and moves her from Minnesota actually to San Francisco. But you're actually you're actually seeing like. Literally inside of her head seeing the erasure of childhood memories. Oh, my and, God. And no. the lost the transition from childhood into adult. So anyone who is like a parent of a young kid who's trying to sort of maintain that like. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: That sounds awful. Yeah. It sounds brutal. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. The only reason now that I remember it is because we were on the plane and I was looking at what he was watching and the um the animations of this the streets of San Francisco are fucking perfect right. and for anybody that's ever lived there it's like you look at like the red that's painted on the sidewalk and the bent over yellow post and, like, the shit, like, not actual shit, because that is there, but they don't have it in the cartoon. <laughs> but just, like, the crappy sidewalk, like, it's, yeah. I was like, holy shit, I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, that's a, yeah. a, exactly San Francisco. And yeah, it like,
0: looked like there was a, a one scene where they first pulled up the house where I'm like, it looks like this this part of South, like, in between... Um, Van Ness and Mission there's this like these tiny side streets and I was like it looks like one of those tiny side streets in the Mission or in Potrero. like South Market or something yeah with these like those old Victorian houses or whatever so anyway enough about anyway, that yeah Jesus Christ so
1: that's it that was a fun one that was, just, that, was that was good actually, it that's, was, that's the sob stories that's the sob stories yeah yeah that was good good I hope I don't get on a, I'll get on a tear where I'll just make myself fucking sad on purpose. I'm not, I'm gonna try not to do that this time. Where I listen to those records and yeah, read those fucking poems. I'm not doing it. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks
0: for listening. As always, thanks to Kaya Fisher for her help and uh, audio engineering assistance. If you want to get in touch, please contact us on Twitter at GLO Podcast. Otherwise, uh, thanks, and hopefully we'll see you here next week.
1: See everybody.